you know what I don't hide from, guys? People ask me, Jonesy Glow's beer of paper cake fame, what don't you hide from? And that's reading comic books monthly and then discussing them in a roundtable format. Uh, welcome once again to the Paper Cake Show. Uh, this is a very special monthly uh, comic book roundtable, episode three. Uh, and I'd like to introduce you to the gamut of hosts that are going to tell you whether an issue is good or hot garbage. Uh, our first host, you know, he's has critical acclaim on such social media platforms as Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, LO. He's got it all. Uh, coming in hot with his one-day growth of mustache that easily trounces the other two hosts. It's uh, Dale underscore A, the people's champ. Welcome back to the show. Which is not saying much at all. I mean, my sparse facial hair looks awful in layman's terms, you know. But sometimes, sometimes it's just better than what the other guys got, you know. No fear. It's on the back of a No Fear t-shirt. Ball from Champ Sports, circa 1995. I miss that. God, I miss my No Fear t-shirts. Right, guys? <laughs> Is that with your starter jackets as well? Oh, man. When I when I was given the option of either a, uh, a Denver Broncos non-starter jacket or the Jacksonville Jaguars starter jacket, you best believe I went with the Jacksonville Jaguars starter jacket because it was a starter jacket. That was so many instances of the word starter, but I couldn't quite follow you. Going in reverse order of I mustache wasn't, wasn't growth. It was not <laughs> Jonesy. <laughs> reverse order of mustache growth. Uh, the I almost called you the Javon, by the way. I don't, your name's not oh. Javon. I don't know. Already off the rails. Uh, the next guy. He's also got lip hair. Uh, you may know him from his status as vice president of customer service of your hearts. Uh, really needs no introduction. He has his own brand. Uh, the moniker at Slim conjures images of, you know, Gaunt Chuck cheeks. Taylor's shoes. Uh, just really body paint style jeans. Uh, plain black V-necks, and you know, whereas a normal person would brim their hat, this this brand giant, this really this titan of social media, does not find it necessary to do any of those. He's at Slim, our editor in chief of the Paper Keg conglomerate. Uh, welcome back to your home program, sir. Thank you. And you know, as my father would say. I don't follow trends. I set them, if I may quote, dear old dad. Plus, I also prefer VP worldwide customer service of your hearts. VP worldwide. (laughs) Let me uh, me jot that down in my uh, little black notebook. (laughs) VP worldwide. (laughs) Social media czar. No, that's not true. Mm. Stop it. Dale, Dale usurped that. 
crown many moons ago. <laughs> Gosh. Guy has social medias wrapped right. around his little pinky finger. He's got them yeah. all wrapped. I see him today. He was interfacing with one Scotty Young, you know, on Twitter, talking about some kind of audiobook shenanigans. I don't know what's going on. I skimmed through it. Gosh. And I saw it. How yeah, does he sure. do it? Social media. That conversation was at least 19 replies. I couldn't even. Social media czar with uh, Scotty Young being one of 12 people who actively interact with me on Twitter. Yeah, I'm really <laughs> feeling high, high on the horse. I mean, but your cloud score with that with that Scotty Young tie has got to be right up there. I feel like you, you know, that gif of that guy, the effort gif, where the guy's at his desk and he's flipping all the paperwork <laughs> in the computer. I feel like you do that a lot during the day, you know, reacting to certain social medias. Yeah, as there's <laughs> always, of. it warms the heart when uh, Scotty Young's pooping on the things you love. <laughs> you try to get him introduced into a nice audio book, and he makes fun he, what, of you. What did he not like that he uh, said it wasn't for him? Or I saw on Twitter. What was it? Uh, yeah. Oh you, you, oh, you mean when he said he wasn't for him by saying he fell asleep reading the title <laughs> of the book? <laughs> Scotty. Uh, <laughs> no, was, uh, he was looking for audiobooks. You know, I suggested The Arsenal of Democracy could be my favorite book that I've listened to this year. But, you know, it's not for everybody, it's, which is fine. Vitriol underscore A. It's fine. You know, let's uh, let's keep the show chugging along. Uh, maybe we read two books this past month, and maybe we like to speak about both of them. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll do one book, and then as we're wont to do, one lightning round describing another title that we also read this month. Well, uh, perhaps no. Well, we've in the past the past two episodes we've done two in a lightning round, but oh, two in a lightning round. You can do one okay. in a lightning round, Jonesy. This is your show. This is your you show. Exec producing live on air. Dale. Dale telling me when to record, how it's Dale's done. Dale's got his like ruler Basically. that he's ready to slap both of our wrists with. <laughs> we don't stick to the script as laid out by one Dale underscore A. Size eight New Balance came through the monitor and just smacked me silly. <laughs> Or changing the form. It's like I'm Mr. Shoe. So you're the two guys, and we're in summer school, and you're goofing off with your <laughs> chainsaw Mr. massacre Shoot. parodies, and uh, we're not. None of us are getting out of this hole. You guys are going to fail and repeat the grade, and I'm going to be stuck teaching summer school again, and not being at the beach every day, Shoop style, with oh. Courtney Thorne Smith as my uh, potential girlfriend, or Kirstie Alley. <laughs> Do you have a, a comic book you like to talk about? Oh, uh, I, have a, I have actually, I'm kind of, you know, I don't know what to talk about. I caught up, I caught up with some comic reading, uh, but let's get right into the, uh, the hot topical. Hopefully I'm not taking. Does somebody else want to go first? If Say they only read two or three. Uh, let's say I only read One and a half. four comics. Slim, you go first. All right, I will go first. You know, um... Let's combine things that we love sure. into one comic book if sure. we can. Glad I didn't go first. <laughs> There's a character, you know, that we all hold dear to our hearts by the name of Batman. Mm-hmm. And uh, as Gotham City, some kind of temporal shenanigans is happening. And these four mm. metahumans come through this little area fighting a, a clan of sorts. And it turns out that these four metahumans are none other than 
the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and they're in Gotham. Hmm. That's real. That's real life, and it's a comic book, and I read it. Came out today. I feel like you're making it's it not, up. I didn't I make it like up. I didn't make it thing. up at all. James Tinney in the fourth. Jonesy's a uh, number number top five writer, I think. The number one man in Batman crossover with mutagenic lizard comics, <laughs> in my mind. So the the Batman is unsure of of who has transported, but he's he's studying their karate that they are employing in the city of Gotham under his purview. He's trying to piece together what the heck they're here for. And they're they're trying he's realizing that certain groups are hitting up these like scientific buildings and stealing um pieces of something. So he's putting together like, okay, so these people have these metahumans know karate and they're putting together some kind of weapon and I don't like it. So I'm gonna get to the bottom of it. And the turtles are underground in Gotham eating pizza, of course. And uh, Killer Croc stumbles upon them. And uh, there's a there's a battle. And the turtles stumble upon the Batmobile. And possibly one Batman? Mm-hmm. Three yeah. to find out. I actually thought it was really good. It was a fun little crossover issue. DC's doing crossovers a bunch, actually. They're, they're doing some kind of weird Green Lantern Star Trek crossover right now. It's been going on forever. Really? Yeah. It can't possibly be worse than the Planet of the Apes <laughs> Star Trek crossover. <laughs> I feel like the, uh, I was super intrigued by the Green Lantern Star Trek crossover. I know it's been going on since like springtime. Yeah, it's so a while. So it, it must be lighting up some sort of uh, corner sector of uh, Green Lantern universe. Nice. Um, Nicely put. But uh, Slim, I agree with you. I read this comic. I really enjoyed it. I think the artwork was fantastic. The turtles looked amazing in this. I loved mm-hmm. how the, uh, you know, was trenched in, you know, there was name dropping by Alfred talking about Master Damien, stuff like that. So it's very much, you know, uh, you know, a bat comic. He's throwing in Batman's face that it's almost the anniversary of his parents being brutally murdered in front of the uh, the theater. And he always dives into a pet project around this time. So he's, uh, this time around, he just so happens to be hunting down some ninja Huh. Pet project, if you will. Yeah. I did like the um, when Shredder shows up with Batman. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is really cool. Yeah, I'm into this right now. I want to see something happen now between these two. Mm-hmm. The turtles were uh, definitely talking about how they were. They don't know how they got there, but they sound like they're transported from another dimension, possibly. Um, uh, it's it was really good. And yeah. So, it's, uh, I'm excited to read it. Thank God that I went first, because if you had talked about that as your book, it would have been game over for me. <laughs> right. It Big been, time game over. It would have been uh, Jonesy's uh, plot pointed outline of one issue per, and maybe a lightning round book, maybe from the uh, archives. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dale, why don't you carry us away on a wave of emotion that is your first title. I read uh, something very, very beautiful, and that is called uh, The Sheriff of Babylon by uh, Vertigo Comics, uh, Tom King writing, and uh, the one of my absolute favorites uh, from the recent Punisher run, Mitch Gerads on art. And art and colors, and the Sheriff of Babylon takes place in 2004 in Baghdad, 
and it's about a uh, a police officer turned government contractor who is training local Iraqis to uh, to police their own city. So he's training them to bully police officers, and he uh, he kind of stumbles into one of his trainees <clears throat> have been murdered in the streets of Baghdad, and kind of where he stands. He's kind of helpless and doesn't know what to do. The military's not really helping because, uh, you know, it's not really their thing to look into. And he is not local, but one of the local trainees has been murdered. But there's no other real solid police force right now. So he, so he, he hits up a former colleague that he had previous contact with, and that is uh, an Iraqi woman who was educated in the United States and has recently come back to to Iraq and she starts kind of making plays and contacting people sort of in the underground and maybe quite not everything's on the up and up as far as her doing favors for people to get favors in return but uh, this police officer has kind of like nowhere else to turn he doesn't know what to do so she's going to lend a hand and she reaches out to this kind of uh, smuggler or, you know, this black ops kind of guy. He's not on the up and up, but possibly he could provide some help that this police officer needs. And it's a very intriguing first issue. It's it's going to be a limited series, I think six issues. And uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. The Just the colors of... Um, of Iraq and, and Mitch Sherratt's art. I mean, if you remember on Punisher, it's that but like sort of, sort of more in a real life kind of scenario. It's amazing. Hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful stuff. I think uh, knowing me and our mutual interests, I'll probably pick yeah, that one up. I think you'd like it, Jonesy. It's, it's beautiful. Mm, talk to me, Goose. <laughs> you know, it, it probably surprises nobody in here that I read the next title, but it may surprise you how much I liked it. Dark Knight 3, the Master Race issue. Wow, okay. Get into it. Cracking open numbers, just selling like McDonald's all day hotcakes. You know, we're introduced uh, once again to the Dark Knight universe, the Dark Knight Return universe. Uh, Maybe forgetting uh, the Dark Knight Strikes Back a little bit. And, uh, you know, in this timeline, uh, Superman, you know, wearing the black shield, the black and red shield that everybody loves, frozen on a throne of ice. No one, no one sure is why. Maybe the Adam knows. Uh, you know, Wonder Woman is doing her thing. Uh, and really watching out for her daughter, who is also the daughter of said frozen super king. And uh, flashback halfway through the story to Gotham, where the Dark Knight is returning again. Another return. uh, As he brings his patented bat brand of justice back to the city. And just as he is cornered and somebody comes to his aid. Spoilers. Fast forward 30 seconds. It's Carrie Kelly. 
Bruce Wayne is dead. Whoa. So, super excited to see if this is maybe one of Bruce's cockamamie schemes and he's really still out there. You know, this is the weird mad scientist Bruce Wayne who will stop at nothing for his mission. So, who knows? But if he is dead, what a brilliant twist to the entire audience that just wanted more of the first part. You know, you you ain't getting it, bud. (laughs) Right. So, I don't know, pretty, uh, you know, it hooked me in. And there's a backup story uh, with uh, Wonder Woman and Superman's daughter confronting the Atom, trying to get his help to get Superman back. So, it it was good. (laughs) I enjoyed it. A rare, positive DC review from one Jonesy Loves Beer. (laughs) Yeah, but it's not really in, like, continuity, so. Yeah, it's not real. Yeah. So, save your flabbergast (laughs) for another occasion. (laughs) Psycho. Uh, (laughs) Slim, do you have a second title? I mean, executive producer Dale underscore A demands that you do. He, He does demand it, therefore we shall go to the second book. Uh, I went back, I can't remember if I talked about this title the last time we did it, but it was Uncanny Avengers, you know, probably like the fifth series of that title has had in the last two years. But, um, I really like this one mainly for Ryan Stegman on art and he, I didn't like his stuff at all when he did Wolverine. Remember when Wolverine had that gun, that series and wore that mm-hmm. suit, Ugh. but, um, I didn't like Stegman on that book for whatever reason, but I love his art on this book i feel like he's really letting loose i didn't i don't know if he has a different anchor or a different colorist than he usually does like i i don't even know if i really liked his stuff on superior spider-man that much but it just fits really well it's not as dark as his other stuff usually is maybe that's it but the um unity squad is together again you know it's mutants and superheroes and inhumans this time and so Pietro, Pietro, Quicksilver's on it, who is no longer Magneto's son. I'm not sure the backstory about that. I knew it was a thing. Like, people were all up in arms about Probably it. Probably happened in Secret Wars. Maybe. That and, should be um, concluded in 2017. Deadpool's on the team, and Spider-Man actually quit the team because Deadpool was on it in the first issue in <laughs> a really funny scene. Uh, Human Torch is in it. Um did I say Rogue? Rogue is on it. There's some new girl that's on it. Um, it's a fun book. It's a, like a ragtag, you know, kind of some of the characters are like B-list. And it's funny. And for whatever reason, it keeps bringing me back. And I, I was reminded of it today because the issue of it, issue three came out today. And there's a great cover of Cable on it, um, which is almost like an homage drawing to Liefeld's Cable. So I was like, okay, I need to read. I need to go back to this. And uh, it's fun. I think um, uh, the Deadpool writer uh, writes it. I can't remember his mm. name. Uh, Jerry Duggan. Mm-hmm. Duggan. And it's good. So what it definitely sounds like, it definitely has a way different tone than any previous Uncanny Avenger. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... I don't know. I, I think they throw the Avengers name on a lot of things. I don't know what this book would be called um, outside of it, but it's... You know, it's definitely not really Avengers. Like, Cap runs the team, obviously, elderly Cap. And I think the preview Zero issue that came out a little while ago was Deadpool getting invited to the team, which was really well done. Hmm. Of him 
having like a meeting with Cap, and it's the same writer that did my favorite Deadpool story, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Mm-hmm. So he knows how to write like, you know, um, normal Deadpool. I don't know how to, else to explain it. Like Deadpool that's been yeah, through some stuff. And they have a Cap, he has a relationship with Cap because they've been through the same stuff and really well done where he where he gets like his Avengers card at the end of that little preview issue. Oh, it was wow. awesome. That's cool because when Deadpool's on, 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 it's kind of like a, a turnoff at times. Mm-hmm. But when, yeah, that, but in that in that arc it was it was top, top notch. Oh yeah, so yeah, I, I recommend it. I I don't know. I have to figure out what's different about Duggan's or not Duggan uh, Stegman's art. If he has a different anchor or different colors, but I don't know what it is. But it just pops. I have to check. I I'm super interested. I've been I've been holding off on 99 percent of all the Marvel re releases just because like it's a slippery slope, super slippery slope. Apparently, Rogue's, Rogue has like an adverse uh, effect to the Terrigen Mist, mm. where it's like killing her because of her like absorbing, you know, powers. When she touches skin, like it's it freaks out her um, her powers. So she's like dying or something, but she's on the team. So I guess she's like near death. Interesting, but an active combatant. You got to read to find out, Jonesy. No, true. <laughs> Uh, Dale. Um, there's a Monsieur. couple. There's a couple. I feel like I got to get out of my system, but I will take one for the team and uh, probably report on what many have uh, may have expected me to talk about. Um, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Number One. Oh yeah. Hmm. Uh, I almost. I knew our, our roundtable recording was two or three week, weeks weeks away from me reading this, so I almost uh, like Twitter reviewed it because I wanted to uh, talk about it. But uh, you know, it's I definitely glad I saved it for the airwaves. But it's just uh, a Moon Girl is just a little girl in um, 2015. She's uh, sort of viewed as like a little smart, smarty pants nerd kid, and she has a uh, a picture of the uh, a moon on her shirt moon girl and she's like an inventor and she is uh she is searching for something and she builds her little metal detector to find it and she she comes across this uh glowing orb that as it turns out was something that the uh, the small folk tribes of of devil dinosaur and moon boys age prehistoric times had used as a sort of a tool. Some some of the small folks feared it, and some kind of revered it as this idol. And it had magical properties. Basically, what uh, Moon Girl ends up doing with it is the coach. You know, the coach comes across it and starts like agitating this orb, and uh, basically summons some of the small folk and the one, the only. Devil Dinosaur to uh, Manhattan, 2015, and that's how the uh, the issue ends. The a Moon Girl ends up with the uh, the glowing orb, and Devil Dinosaur like picks her up by her backpack and starts carrying her away. But I am just so excited to read more of this. 
this was one like fringe title that I had that I wasn't afraid to pick up. I was definitely going to pick it up no matter what. But like I said, I haven't picked up many of the the Marvel re-release titles due to budget and and reading habits and stuff like that. But this is going to be a fun book. It's going to be super fun and it's gorgeous and the story's cool. And why is Devil Dinosaur? What's he going to be up to? We'll see. He's just as terrifying as uh, you know we all remember him. I was wondering why um, I liked it a lot, and I, I was wondering why because we recently read it. So it's like remember this issue where he Devil Dinosaur travels through time and he goes through those little like you know Yosemite geysers and he travels into like present day. Mm-hmm. I wonder why they just didn't use that issue as like this is the world he was in and then it's like made it a variation because it would have made perfect sense yeah for that, like him <laughs> traveling to present day that would have been a great sense yeah that would have been great nobody listens to me you yeah? hey dummies <laughs> but i'm excited i mean highly recommend you guys check it out like i said it's a fringe book you don't have to be nervous about continuity or or getting in it's way different than you know you superhero books that you're used to and uh, it's uh, it's amazing. Check it out. I just might do that. I uh, I definitely enjoyed Devil Dinosaur that we did for the show. It was definitely brought me a lot of commodity. Definitely my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Speaking of my cup of tea, you know, Dale gave me a gift by not talking about Daredevil issue one. So I'm here to tell you, I read it. How do I feel about it? You know, the, the issue is pretty straightforward that at the end of Secret Wars, Daredevil is somehow able to convince the world that he's not Matt Murdock again. So as they say, the genie's back in the bottle. Uh, something happens at the end of Secret Wars that he and Foggy are on bad terms. And whilst all this is going on, he's taken a student who with a seemingly a pack of AA batteries can make himself invisible who looks a lot like Gambit, but is not, in fact, Gambit. He's a new character. So, how do I feel? You know, uh, it's it's not Wade and Samney, which has, you know, like, been my rock the last couple of years. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready for Daredevil to be dark and gritty and make his life miserable again scenario. But, overall... I think I'm going to continue to read it. I mean, it's definitely, I definitely want to know the the pretense, and you know, why they undid the last 10 years of storytelling where everybody knew who Matt Murdock was and, and what is the ultimate goal of that being a secret again. I think will be interesting, an interesting story to follow, but it was good. It was a solid first issue. Art was fantastic. Would you have wanted them to continue the kind of clean-cut Daredevil stories with just another creative team? Uh, I, You know, I think every creator deserves to bring their own energy to the book, and nobody should just be trying to do their best Mark Wade impression. Uh, so no, but, you know, I, I don't think it was necessary to turn back the hands of time and give him secret identity again. And, you know, the suit very... It was very similar to a suit from the Netflix show, so I'm sure there there's some editorial in there saying make it closer to the property that's yeah, yeah, you know, so it can be a multimedia title. Um, 
But then again, they also had a psychic where he disappears. So they follow that and they don't follow that. I would just rather, like, I'm still in my mind always wanting that Matt Murdock, Matt Murdock becomes the mayor of New York story that I talk about, I think, endlessly. And this everybody should be cool with the fact that he's Daredevil and just give us something that's not always, you know, tights and fights. You know what I mean? Hmm. But, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Kind of sounds like from my tone I didn't, but that's not the case. Sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like it was some kind of jawbone app that you wanted to poop on. Oh, there we go. <laughs> well, at least this title didn't rot my wrist flesh. <laughs> necrotic. Yeah, necrotic <laughs> damage. Five points to my left wrist. That brings us to the lightning round. Two sentences or less. A third title you barely managed to read this month. Uh, slim. The violence, number one. Or is it the violent number one? I don't know. It's from a bitch. <laughs> Two down on their luck parents, parenthesis, drugs, alcohol, and thievery, trying to make their life normal again for their three-year-old daughter. But not everything goes as planned. As a parent, this book is unsettling to me. Mm. Read it. Um, Did some catching up and lightning rounding Rat Queens issues 9 through 13. Um, It's been a long time since I've read Rat Queens, but have fallen back in love with the title. The updated dialogue in the old fantasy setting is something even somebody who doesn't play D&D would want to check out. You can go ahead and add a third sentence if you just want to go yuck, yuck, yuck. Uh, Dark Horse's Joe Golem issue number one Uh, private detective has flashbacks of a life as a summoned golem to fight witches in a distant past what impact does this have on his future Mignola is synonymous with quality. There you have it. I like how you pronounce Gollum. Is Golem. It, is it, I thought Gollum I was the Lord of the Rings character and Golem is the Jewish folk. I don't hero. know which is correct, to be honest. I just like how you pronounce it. Golem. Joe Golem. <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought maybe a little rhyme scheme was what we were Yeah, what's, yeah, what's the correct, correct pronunciation for that word? Joe Gollum. Of course. Of course it is. <laughs> With your s eating grin. You feel so good correcting me, don't you? Spoilers, that's not my last name. Identity. <laughs> <laughs> well, another classic roundtable episode. Uh, you know, perhaps 
for the next month ending, we'll we'll do three roundtables in a lightning round. Maybe I'll just exec produce this right off the map. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, please listen to our main show, you know, the Paper Cake Podcast, and the other fine Ford family of podcasts. Uh, we have uh, Book Jug, uh, a semi-released uh, podcast about audiobooks. Uh, probably your favorite, The Flap. You know, two fathers talk about life, love, happiness, pooping. And uh, we have, of course, Interview with the Podcast Vampire, your favorite Tom Cruise anthology podcast, all available now on the Paper Keg Radio Syndicate.